China and the U.S. have clashed over a lot of things this past decade. But there's been one relatively bright spot in the relationship. Chinese companies going public on U.S. stock exchanges. Like, for example, the e-commerce giant Alibaba. The IPO is expected to be the largest in U.S. history. Or IGE, China's Netflix-style streaming service. IGE has completed its U.S. IPO and is the largest Chinese video streaming service to go public. Listing in the U.S. gives Chinese companies access to prestigious U.S. markets. And American investors get a chance to get in on some of the world's fastest-growing companies. So it was like, it was a sort of symbiotic, you know, relationship. And this is one of the few areas in recent years where the United States and China have actually been kind of on the same page. And they've seen, you know, some kind of growth together. Patrick Barda is the Wall Street Journal's Asia Enterprise Editor. You know, like where everything else has gone badly between the United States and China, this sort of interaction between Chinese tech companies and, and U.S. markets has been productive. But recently, that symbiotic relationship has turned rocky. And over the past two weeks, one Chinese company's IPO has made things even worse. DD Global, that's going public today. It is the largest IPO of a Chinese company since Alibaba. Late last month, Didi, China's version of Uber, went public on the New York Stock Exchange at a valuation of more than $67 billion. But just a few days later, Chinese regulators punished Didi, surprising investors and raising questions about the future of Chinese companies listing in the U.S. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, July 13th. Coming up on the show, what Didi's messy IPO says about the U.S.-China relationship. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Before Didi's IPO last month, investors were optimistic about the company. And Patrick says they had good reason to be. For years, Didi had been a dominant tech player in China. They were founded in 2012 by a young tech executive who had worked at Alibaba, which is the very famous uh, Chinese e-commerce company. And it initially started as an app to help Chinese taxi drivers find passengers, but then it evolved to become like a basic ride-sharing, you know, hailing company, similar to Uber or Lyft. And, you know, this was a company that just had extraordinary prospects. I mean, it's a country of a billion-plus people. Most of those people don't have cars. And everyone was looking at this market as like the next big, giant opportunity for that kind of business. Didi wasn't just like Uber. It even competed with Uber. Soon after Didi's founding, Uber tried to break into China. 
Uber came in and competed very aggressively for that space. And I think they spent upwards of a billion dollars or more trying to compete, but it just became a bloodbath. You know, what, what happened is that both companies wound up burning through tons of cash. They were giving subsidies to riders to try to get market share. Uber eventually decided it just wasn't worth it. So, you know, it was just a big market that they couldn't conquer. So they decided to sell out to DD. After defeating Uber, Didi grew rapidly and even expanded beyond China to other parts of Asia and Latin America. But to continue growing, it needed money. So the company started thinking about selling stock through an IPO. And after looking at other places to list, like Hong Kong, they decided to follow the path of other Chinese tech companies and go public in the U.S. Many Chinese companies have looked at the United States as the model when it comes to tech. And they look at Silicon Valley wistfully because that is the place where the biggest and most prestigious and sexiest companies in the world, frankly, by many accounts, are growing and they're listing in the United States, whether it's on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. But then also you got to remember that a lot of them have U.S. bankers, they have U.S. investors, they have uh, a lot of people who are helping drive their growth from the United States. So uh, a lot of those people also would like to see these companies listed in the United States. What's in it for the U.S. if Chinese companies list here? Well, the United States wants to be the world's preeminent financial market. And to do that, you need to have the world's biggest companies. And as we have seen over the last decade, the world's biggest companies now are in two places, the United States and China. And if you're the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, if they can get the next generation of companies out of China, like Didi, onto the U.S. exchanges, it's just further growth for, for the U.S. exchanges and it further cements the United States as the world's financial capital. Didi filed the initial paperwork for its New York IPO on June 10th. And from there, things moved fast, unusually fast. In the lead-up to an IPO, companies do a roadshow, basically a series of presentations where company executives and their bankers pitch the stock to potential investors. Most roadshows this year have lasted about eight or nine days. Didi's took three. Three days is extraordinarily fast. Okay, now why why did that happen? Well, a lot of that is they just were ready to go. They wanted to list and they were excited about this. Um, but you also got to keep in mind that there were some holidays coming up, both in the United States and in China. There was the 4th of July in the United States and there was um, in China the 100th anniversary of the Communist Party. So once they, they filed the paperwork, they looked and they saw markets were strong, timing was good, you know, uh, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. So June 30 wound up as the, the day to do it. And if that meant speeding things up, so be it. How did it go when they had their IPO on June 30th? It was a big success. You know, they raised $4.4 billion. Things went well. They actually sold more stock than they'd planned. Pricing gave them a market cap of around $67 billion. So it seemed like the IPO was a success for about two days. And then... All hell broke loose. Just days after the company's successful IPO, the Chinese government suddenly moved against Didi. Chinese regulators announced that they were launching a cybersecurity review of the company. They banned it from adding new users in China and then ordered Chinese app stores to remove Didi entirely. Didi's stock price tumbled, and investors were left wondering, had the company known this crackdown was coming? There's a lot of debate about what Didi knew and when they knew it. That's after the break.
China's rapid-fire moves against Didi sent a powerful message. Beijing wasn't happy with how the company handled its IPO. By the time Didi was looking to list, uh, the narrative was changing in China. Uh, Beijing was becoming more suspicious of its tech companies. And frankly, Beijing doesn't love the idea anymore that its biggest companies would succeed and then list in the United States. The thinking in Beijing is, why can't they list here? And Patrick says regulators did signal that they weren't totally on board with Didi's IPO plans. At the Wall Street Journal, we learned that Didi had actually been warned weeks before the IPO that regulators were concerned about some of the issues there, and they had urged the company to conduct, you know, a thorough self-examination. It's hard to know exactly how adamant and precise those warnings were. There were clearly some mixed signals. What we've been told from people who were involved in this process was that some Chinese regulators were broadly supportive of the IPO and were you know, more or less waving it through, but others were not. And so Didi was sort of trapped in this tricky position where they had some regulatory support in China and they certainly had investors and bankers telling them to speed up and get this thing done and it's great and let's do it. But then they also had at least one Chinese regulator telling them, we really think you need to slow this down or you, you know, you're, there's gonna be some, some issues. What were these regulators so worried about? So we have some basic ideas. One issue for China is that Didi collects this incredible amount of data. They know where everyone who's using that app goes. They know what time they they get out of the car, what time they get in the car, and, and what house they stopped at or what government building they went to. It has personal information about all those customers. It has their ID numbers just has incredible amounts of data, and they're worried about some of that data falling into foreign hands, particularly into the hands of the United States, which they you know, increasingly view as a strategic rival. And the other thing is that they want to be sure that the data that Beijing wants is available to them. As much as this data is a potential problem if it's shared with the United States, it's also a great asset to Beijing. Beijing wants to know what people are doing. It wants to know where they're going. And they want to be sure that, that companies that are gathering data are compelled to share that when they need to. One potential concern for Beijing is a new U.S. law that toughens audit requirements for Chinese companies that list on U.S. stock markets. So there's a fear in China that once a Chinese company lists in the United States, it will be subject to greater transparency and that U.S. officials will then be able to see deeper into these companies, which, of course, U.S. officials want to do because they want to make sure that they aren't frauds. Do you have a sense of why Didi decided to move forward with the IPO in spite of these warnings? Didi has not said specifically why they went so quickly or uh, why they had to go when they did. But we do know certain things about what was going on at the time. One is that the market was strong. And so listing now around uh, this time would enable them to take advantage of a good market. So the timing was good on that basis. So without knowing exactly what was in the heads of the leaders of Didi, you know, I think it's we can assume that this could have been a case where Didi was thinking, let's just list and then we'll worry about the repercussions later. Sort of like a ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Correct. Has Didi said anything publicly about what has happened? So Didi has said that they weren't aware the Chinese regulators were planning to put them under review. They did put on a statement on Weibo, which is the Chinese Twitter-like social media platform. And uh, they said something to the fact that they sincerely accept and, you know, will firmly obey requirements by the, the, the relevant authorities. And it's a kind of contrite statement that you hear often from Chinese tech companies when they get in trouble. 
Yesterday, Didi acknowledged that the Chinese government's actions might hurt its revenue in China. But Didi isn't the only company that's gotten into trouble with Beijing over its IPO plans. This week, the Wall Street Journal reported that another Chinese tech company, ByteDance, also got pushed back from Beijing. ByteDance, which of course is the gigantic company that owns TikTok, the very popular short video app, got similar warnings as Didi uh, some months ago. ByteDance was considering an IPO uh, back in the spring, in March or April. And they had similar conversations with the regulators in China, and those regulators gave them, you know, a sense that they needed to take a look at their data security and look at it very carefully before listing. It's interesting to note that ByteDance took that warning, uh, or at least that suggestion, and decided not to list. They put it on hold indefinitely. But why would Beijing want to do that? Aren't they just undermining their own companies? You know, China definitely wants to have big and powerful and prestigious tech companies, but they want it to be on their terms. The bigger concern in China is just that these companies have just gotten to be too big and too powerful. They become essentially rival power centers in the country. And what that means for, for uh, in a Chinese context is trouble for the Communist Party. The, the Communist Party is not going to brook uh, having rival power centers And so even if this causes some speed bumps in the short term, even if it causes some losses for big investors, that's fine for Beijing. They want to know for sure that they have control over the tech sector. For Didi, Beijing's actions have already caused serious speed bumps. After dominating ride-hailing in China for years, Didi is facing new pressure from its domestic rivals. These issues are basically an invitation for other companies to try to move into the market that Didi has dominated. And Chinese customers are not necessarily very loyal when it comes to brands like Didi. And just as we've seen in the United States, when you when you give subsidies and incentives and reduce the price of a service like ride-hailing, people are going to jump to whoever is giving them a discount. And one person told us, before this, they considered Didi a healthy company. Now they consider Didi to be a wounded company. Yesterday, Didi's stock closed around $11, which is down almost 40% from its post-IPO high. And it's not just Didi that could pay the price. Last week, Beijing announced that it would tighten the rules for any Chinese company planning to go public overseas. We've had people tell us that people throughout the tech industry are furious at Didi right now because they feel like Didi has spoiled the broth and sense for everyone, okay? China was already starting to get antsy about Chinese companies listing overseas. And now China's tech companies are facing a situation where the Chinese government is going to crack down on that and is writing new rules that likely make it tougher to list in the United States. You've talked about this symbiotic relationship that the U.S. and China have when it comes to Chinese companies listing on U.S. stock markets. So what does this clampdown from China mean for that relationship? The tech clampdown in China could have negative effects for China and the United States. The risk for China is that they kill that innovation, that spirit of innovation that was really alive in these companies. They also, you know, they they kill growth. You know, There was a future possibly where 
China's tech companies and America's tech companies competed head-to-head around the world. And like, you know, their companies were listed in the United States. American companies somehow got into China more, you know, and that was an exciting world. What we're seeing now is a world develop in which the Chinese tech companies operate in their markets, they list in their markets, they serve the state's interests, and that's kind of it. And then the U.S. tech companies do their thing. And that's that's a world where, you know, that people have feared would, would happen, where you start to see two giant economies that don't actually interact as much as they could have. And that's not a positive for anybody. That's all for today, Tuesday, July 13th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Ling Ling Wei, Keith Jai, and Jing Yang for their reporting in this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.